Hey there, and welcome to Beer Branding Trends, conversations on building stronger craft beverage brands. Kodo Design has spent more than a decade working with craft food and beverage artisans, helping them to brand or rebrand, reposition, and reimagine what a compelling F&B brand can be. This show captures all of our fieldwork and experience into practical strategies, tips, and tactics to help you build a stronger brand and sell more beer. I'm Isaac Arthur. And I'm Cody Fagg. And this is the Beer Branding Trends Podcast. Hey, Cody, what's up? Not a whole lot, Isaac. How you doing? I am doing well. Today, you and I are kicking off the first of three episodes walking through partnering with a branding firm. So this episode, we're going to start upstream by talking about the various types of creative partners a brewery could need throughout the throughout the life of their business and day-to-day projects that come up. But maybe to, to hone this in more specifically, finding a great fit for your rebrand. So we're going to do this without trashing too much on big, bloated, boring agencies and without this becoming a Kodo commercial. Yeah. So if if you're listening to this right now, thinking about hiring Kodo, you should not do that because we suck. <laughs> that That's exactly right. Let's, let's dive in. In our latest book, Crafty Rebranded, we outlined three types of partners that a brewery could hire. Let's start with the smallest and most tactical one, a freelancer. Cody, I think most people probably know in 2021 what a freelancer or solopreneur, I don't I do not like that word, what that is, but but why don't you give us a quick definition and then we'll dive into some pros and cons. Welcome to the gig economy. <laughs> I mean, a freelancer is what it sounds like. It's a woman or man just doing work on a contracting basis usually where they can pick it up. It might be one person. It might be like a small, like there's, we know a couple husband and wife kind of freelance mm-hmm. teams. It, it might be that kind of thing, but generally they are for hire on a project and work on a contracting basis. What are some pros for a brewery to work with a freelancer? Really obvious ones, especially as opposed to a larger kind of mega marketing firm, you get almost like an auteur vision from a freelancer. And so they can be really talented and you're kind of getting the unadulterated creative energy of a talented person, which can be great for a project. They can also really kind of get into the project and be, you know, just become another friend to the brewery or another kind of team member as well. They can kind of just meld right in. Yeah, agreed. How about some cons? Um, Generally, for freelancers, we might see a limited skill set. So they might be really, really good at one particular silo like photography or a website or logo design but might struggle with other things. Often they do not necessarily have the breadth of experience to handle a larger scale project. So you might see someone who is really awesome at digital design, but isn't necessarily super versed in setting up production for ordering packaging, stuff like that. They can also, you know, freelancers have to be known to be hired. So generally someone will kind of develop their own style over time. And that style may or may not be strategically uh, effective for your situation that really let's save that for later i want to dive into that near the end because yes i don't know that you and i even agree our opinions have shifted on this over the years so i'm curious to talk about it so for now let's move on to small slash medium-sized firms maybe three to four people up to 12 to 15 these numbers are somewhat arbitrary these are obviously larger than a freelancer freelancer person but objectively smaller and more nimble than agencies. So Cody, what are some pros to working with a smaller or medium-sized firm? Yeah, you kind of said it right there, being nimble and being flexible. Mm -hmm. 
you very likely have access to both senior leadership as well as the people who are actually making the work. So hopefully, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's kind of because you, you, you get much bigger than this scale and uh, you may not know who is touching your design work or who is your kind of overseer, uh, senior representative. You just don't have the kind of access to the to the organization internally as you might want. And it's not true everywhere because I think once you get closer to that 15 to 20 person firm, bureaucracy can form but it is kind of nice with the smaller teams just depending on how you like to work if if you don't like a bunch of extra two-hour meetings where it felt like it could have been an email or just a lot of hey how's the weather how's the this and that you go with these more nimble firms it can work out a lot better depending on your work style and what you like to see Um, you also can find really good expertise here in this kind of size because generally firms this size have had to cut their teeth on something specific so you know, you might find craft beer branding experts or you might find, you know, whatever, whatever you're looking for. Yeah, I, I think that they do tend to be flatter. Just to your earlier point, easier to work with. You let, just the idea of less bureaucracy is a huge selling point to me. But what are so this sounds like all upside, Cody. <laughs> what are some cons <laughs> to working with a smaller or medium sized firm? A couple things come to mind. Personnel being one of them, depending on the firm. In the world in general, people are kind of job hopping, but we see this a lot in marketing, design, branding, whatever. A team might build around a really solid, talented person or or core of you know two or three people, and then those folks leave, and all of a sudden the firm is not the same as it once was. Another potential con, and you know this is us just being honest about <laughs> like our scale and what we can handle. If you have a project that's like, oh no, we need this in in two and a half weeks. A larger firm can throw the bodies at that, can can throw the man hours at that, that maybe a, a kind of mid-sized firm would not be able to. And so I, I see that kind of as a con of, of that mid-sized range. Yeah, they can storm the beach with 30 people and us, us smaller guys just cannot. That, I think that's a good segue, actually. Before diving into this, people use the term agency somewhat interchangeably with firm. I'm actually guilty of this myself sometimes. I also looked it up before this conversation to see if there was an actual headcount assigned to it. There isn't. It's just another term like firm, like concern, which is a, a phrase I'd like to come back and bring back into into popular culture, a design <laughs> concern. But sure. So this is all somewhat subjective. But for our purposes, as we start to talk about a big agency now, that 15 to 20 person mark, Cody, I mean, these can go up to a network of thousands of people across the world. But if you're talking to an agency about a rebrand, you're probably looking at like, let's just call it 20 plus people. Cody, I don't know if that made that any clearer or not, but tell me tell me some more about big agencies. Give me some broad strokes. I think part of what I, defines a big agency, at least in my head, is more a way of working. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you do, you do definitely do need the like 20 plus people to qualify in my mind, but it, it's more about having like different sort of old school layers of bureaucracy there, which can be good. It can be bad. It depends on the team. It depends on your situation. There's no one size fits all here, unfortunately. But with full service firms, so like Kodo, us, we can handle branding, package design, digital design and stuff. A full service firm might have a whole floor dedicated just to PR. So press releases, media management, people who can buy advertising campaigns, be they in print or video or web, people who can make radio spots just as easily as they can make a logo. I don't know how important this stuff is now. I mean, it obviously is super important, especially when you get to a certain scale. And so that really comes down to your goals and what you want to accomplish with this. But anymore, because of what 
the economy has become because people are having to kind of figure out a way to make a living and because technology is so much better than it used to be. Smaller agencies are starting to pick a lot of this stuff up as well. You just kind of know it when you see it. Uh, to me, it's a cultural thing. The big firm is is kind of like a almost a I don't want to say relic because I don't want to snub anybody, but it's a relic. I mean, come on. Sure. So big pro tons of tons of bodies to throw up projects. And just because you can throw 30 people at something in two weeks doesn't mean it's the most efficient process. I've, I've seen that go horribly wrong. Um, but lots of lots of staff, broad, broad list of offerings in terms of what they can actually give you. And they usually have really drilled down. We're going to hit this deadline. You're going to sign this form. We're going to shake hands. And, and this project is going to go off the way it should. So that's kind of the upside of a big firm like this, I think. I think another upside is that you also get to, you get as a brewery working with a big agency, you get exposure to that hashtag agency life, which is really exciting because you overwork <laughs> yeah. your employees, you don't pay them that well. And you do all of this in exchange for having a kegerator of like Bud Light in the office. So hashtag agency life is life. It's very important. Cody, now for some, <laughs> now for some, con- we have Ryan Herman, I'll call him out. One of our employees, uh, he uses hashtag agency life a lot on Slack and he pulls up <laughs> extraordinarily cringy posts from Instagram to share. We should probably start a dedicated channel to make fun of that. But do you want to work with people who have a ping pong table? Because you can, you can, you can pay for the privilege. We have like, eight kegerators in our office. So I don't know why I'm calling out kegerators. Most of them have coffee on right now because we're getting old and boring. Cody, give me some cons beyond the hashtag agency life stuff there. Uh, I can give you a personal con that they're kind of rough to work for, at least for me personally. Yeah. Um, For a brewery client looking to hire a firm, these guys are pricey. Can be. Because you take all of their capabilities, throw it in a big bucket, and then put a big blended hourly rate on top of all of that. So if you're going to work with a big design PR marketing agency, get ready to pay for it. Again, nothing wrong with that if that's what you're trying to do and that's the money you have, but whoo, really run up the bill. Kind of, we mentioned in the mid-sized, uh, the mid-sized firm kind of profile, personnel can be a problem. I think it's an even bigger problem at these places because there might as well be a revolving door on some of these creative floors. Yeah, it's a it's a two-year window, isn't it? Oh, I mean, for, for most jobs, for most jobs, it is that and and probably even less because if you're talented, you're going to you're going to settle down where, you know, eventually you end up the most comfortable and, you know, that might not be one of these places or it might take you a while to find that fit. So personnel is a problem. You know, I, I could see the kind of situation where one really talented person leaves and takes eight clients with them, et cetera. And this may be a con or it may not. You are going to be dealing with an account manager, not a project manager, not a designer, not a senior representative of the company, but an account manager. And as far as I can tell, the account manager's job is to get you to go with something and and to get it over with. So you're going to have less access to the creative team and depending on how you work and what type of project you're doing, that could end up being pretty bad. Yeah. And I'll jump in here and say that you may not be their biggest client. I mean, you could have a $200,000 budget and not even be close to being their biggest client. And that could be reflected in your work. Something that we've seen before, this is a, a quick aside. If you're a brewery out there, you don't want to be in agencies or, or even a small firm. You don't want to be anyone's like quote unquote cool client or worse, the project they bring on to keep their team happy. I know this probably seems counterintuitive, but all that really means is that they they very likely do not have expert knowledge in your particular vertical, and they probably spend most of their time on soul-sucking work. 
So they need to augment that uh, insurance company work with a cool brewery. I don't think you want to be in that position. So you and I, Cody, obviously extraordinarily biased here as a midsize firm specializing in this space. But uh, just to make this clear, if you look at who's doing the best beer and beverage branding work right now, it is us smaller to medium-sized firms. And there are other shops besides Kodo, by the way. This is We're not the only game in town. This isn't a Kodo commercial. As far as big agencies doing this, you know, I've seen two or three that are able to consistently make phenomenal branding in addition to all the ad agency e stuff that they they have to do. So it's really few and far between. So anyway, I don't know if that added anything to the conversation. I wanted to get that in. Let's close this out with a couple rapid fire, rapid-ish fire topics. Cody, we've already talked about full service agencies, big agencies, and hopefully made the case that these aren't maybe necessary for most projects. That doesn't mean they're not a good fit for what you are out there planning, but just think about that. So with that framing in mind, what should a branding partner be able to do at a minimum to be a great candidate for your, let's just call this a rebrand. So what what do they need to be able to do at a minimum? I would look for evidence that they have mastery of all phases of the concepting to execution process. So when I say concepting, I mean things like upriver, brand strategy, things like positioning, naming messaging, art direction, those sorts of things. Kind of the fuzzy stuff. We talk about it on other episodes of the podcast. So if you want to learn more about that, you you can either go to craftbeerrebranded.com or just nose around in these podcasts and you'll kind of learn what we mean. But kind of that upstream stuff where you're making strategic decisions and then they need to show the evidence that they're able to turn those into tactical decisions. Things like a really nice visual identity, uh, packaging, not just can they design a whiz bang package, but do they have the experience to handle a tight production deadline and to set things up so that they print properly, etc. If you can cover that gamut of ideation to execution, you should be able to provide most, if not everything, that someone would need for a rebranding project, especially for a brewery. I tend to find that their needs are more lean and deliverable focused. Mm-hmm. And when they get into kind of softer slash more, um, in-depth messaging. Usually it's handled by an in-house person, so a marketing or social media person. But you definitely need somebody who can cover all of the conceptual stuff and then all the steps to make it real. Yeah. And I want to jump in and just piggyback on on the idea of packaging. I think that the whoever you're looking at, let's say you got two or three firms you're, you're eyeing, they need to have loads of experience with beverage alcohol packaging specifically. That is such an important make or break deliverable. In many cases, this is maybe a conversation you and I have on this show down the line, the idea of packaging as your brand, uh, it, it's. I don't think you want to be working with a greenhorn on it. And that's not even talking about the kind of boring, low-hanging fruit things of, do they know how to handle TTB? Do they know how to set up files so that you don't lose time on TTB? Do they understand how to set it up for production and how to paint a can? There, there's more important things about how this actually works on shelf that you will not get a good return on your investment if you don't know what you're doing going into that process as an agency. So anyway, one more thought that you didn't cover there that I want to touch on. There's a growing contingent of all digital firms. I think we saw this, this has been happening in the design industry for years, but in 2020 specifically, we saw two or three shops pop up that did only do websites and stuff like that for the the beer industry. That's pretty cool. So if your branding firm can't handle a website or the firm that you're considering, but you want a website as part of your project, I don't think that's the end of the world. I say that also, Kodo has offered websites in, in, since day one, that's a, a large part of our revenue actually every year. But I don't think if you're looking at one group versus another and and you really like one and they don't offer websites, I don't know that that's actually 
a deal breaker. I think you'd have to work with another partner, but but I don't think that's the end of the world. So last question here, Cody. It's a fun one. We talked about it earlier. Let's dive into it. Should a brewery hire a designer, this could be a freelancer or a, an agency, firm, whatever, based solely on their personal or house style? Maybe we should define house style a little bit for people listening, just in case they don't know. So when you look at someone's portfolio, you look at their website, examples of their work, they might kind of look like they touch on the same theme, or they might look really super similar, depending on the freelancer. Think of it like the type of music that a band plays. You're not going to have a musician who plays, you know, like neo cyberpunk, and then on the next song they play, I don't know, like deconstructed uh, metal jazz. Generally, a band is going to play the same type of music across an album, and designers aren't much different, especially with freelancers, just because you're one person and every project is your vision. So yeah, so you will look at freelancers and say, oh, I like their work, or oh, I don't like their work, or oh, their work kind of all has the same XYZ, you know, whatever it is. Despite the industry, a plumber (laughs) looks exactly like a brewery, looks exactly like a coffee shop, and X and Y and Z. That's the issue at play here. Yeah. In my opinion... Hiring someone for their house style isn't a great idea, generally. I'm not saying it can't work out because there are killer freelancers out there who absolutely would murder a project. But the problem I see in hiring someone with a house style is they are not necessarily taking a look at your industry and taking that extra step of making sure if it fits with your competitive set. Does it make sense to have your brewery look like this? You know, will that actually help you stand out compared to the three guys that are beating down your door for tap handles and for shelf space? Maybe, maybe not. But I, I really think you want somebody who's going to have a step in there that decides like, well, should they even look like this in the first place? I don't know. What do you think about that, Isaac? Yeah, my my opinion on this has evolved over the years. I, I remember you and I were giving it. Uh, we were at an AIGA event giving a, a design talk. So talking to designers specifically, and we kind of got everyone chuffed and angry because I, I think I had said something along the lines of someone with a firm style or like a house style isn't a good designer by definition because they're applying the same kind of tool to every problem they deal with. But mm-hmm. but as I've gotten older, that that's a very dumb, uninformed opinion because like think about someone like Josh Emmerich, for instance, mm-hmm. or just one of the most talented illustrators and designers in the world, in my mind. He, he has a very clear style that comes through in everything he does. But to call him a not good designer is just objectively false. So I, so I don't know. I, I think maybe just stepping out of the, the semantics of what a good designer is and bad designer, I, you kind of touched on it there. But my big feeling on this is that by hiring someone based on what you've seen them do before, specifically, like I, I want I like the style that they produce. It looks really cool and X and Y and Z. And I want X and Y and Z for my project, my brewery. I think that you've already solved your problems. And that's one of the, that that's in my mind, the chief value of working with an expert partner is that they can pressure test your ideas. They can take everything that you've come to the table with, whether you've developed really fleshed out strategy or you just have a nation idea. And they can tell you, I think this will work. This will not work. And here's what I think will work given your market and your positioning goals and your messaging goals and in all of these things, and then reach in the toolbox and pick out which aesthetic and art direction actually makes sense. What visual vocabulary do we need to use to get to where we are achieving your business goals? Again, this is all semantic, but if you pick someone because you like the the way they have done 20 other things and it all looks the same, you might be doing yourself a disservice because you're not exploring what else could work well, given your business objectives. 
clear as mud. <laughs> Let, let's just let's stop there. Maybe we should maybe we should pick this up on a, a dedicated episode down the line. This has been how to find. I don't know if we even have a title for this. This is part one in a three part series, Cody. Mm. This has been part one for how to find the perfect branding partner for your brewery's rebrand. So next week we're going to dive into part two, and we're going to discuss how to vet and actually hire that agency or firm or freelancer, whomever it is. If you're interested in learning more about this process, head over to craftbeerrebranded.com. We've got two or three chapters there that, that we're kind of pulling from as source material for this. Read all about it. Get yourself a book. Cody, this has been riveting. It's been great talking to you. Goodbye. Thank you, Isaac. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to Beer Branding Trends. If you like what we're doing here, if you find this valuable, please rate and review us over on iTunes and head over to beerbrandingtrends.com to join more than 5,000 subscribers who receive our monthly email newsletter covering strategy, currents, and actionable advice from Kodo Design, a branding firm on the front lines of beer and beverage branding. Take care. We'll catch back up with you soon. Thank you.